Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Bucko Booth. My name is Benson Fetcher, and I'll be the host of your show today. I have to make an apology to everybody. Last Saturday when we were on, we were on at the same time at noon. There was a shooting that happened at the Tree of Life Synagogue, less than 10 miles from where we are broadcasting and where we were broadcasting last afternoon. I did not know about the news of the shooting at the time of the podcast, and it is my, my apologies that I did not give out my condolences and my prayers to the families that lost their, <coughs> families of the ones that lost their lives last Saturday. It's a tragic, hateful, anti-Semitic crime that must be stopped. Anti-Semitism must be condemned wherever and whenever it is seen. This cannot go on. It is sickening, and it hurts my heart. Pittsburgh is a resilient city. It is the city of steel, and hatred cannot bring us down. We must unite and be Pittsburgh strong together. We are stronger together, and we will get through this. I'd like to thank the law enforcement for acting so bravely and courageously to take down the shooter. And I would just like to take a moment of silence on the podcast here to remember the lives, to remember the ones that lost their lives at the Tree of Life Synagogue a week ago. All right, so, sorry. I mean, I just had to apologize for not bringing this up because I honestly... I had heard there was a shooting, but I didn't know it was as tragic as it was, and it was absolutely horrendous what happened literally less than 10 miles from where we are broadcasting, where we broadcast every week. Just terrible, terrible, hateful crime. But we can get through this. We are Pittsburgh strong, um, and for all my people listening in Pittsburgh, we know we will get through this together. We are stronger together, and love out the is the only force that can outdo hate. And all this was was hateful in every way, shape, and form. Hate does not solve problems. It only creates more. Love can solve problems, and it will solve this problem. All right, so I'm just going to get off that topic. You know, for anybody that's grieving, you are in my thoughts and you are in my prayers. And just to top off all of that, it was a rough week in Saguaro's baseball. The team went two and four. Yeah, two and four this week. And we know we've now fallen to the tied for the worst team in the AFL. The Fall Stars game is though tonight, so that'll be pretty cool to watch at eight PM Eastern. So pretty much this week it started off last Saturday with a win against the Scottsdale Scorpions, a four nothing win. Hopefully I hope that would put us in the right direction, but then we ran off three straight losses to begin the week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Losing two pivotal games to the Peoria Javelinas, seven to six and twelve to seven, then a loss to the Mesa, uh, yeah, Mesa Solar Sox on uh, Thursday, four to two, a win. That was Wednesday, my bad. A win on Thursday against the uh, Mesa Solar Sox, five to four, and a loss in seven innings yesterday to the Salt River Raptors by the score of eight to three in seven innings. And the reason why it was a seven inning game is because the uh, the Fall Stars game is tonight. And they don't want to uh, risk any player, a uh, pitcher safety. Um, and really, Blake Wyman, um, 
from the Surprise Warriors and the Pittsburgh Pirates. He did not pitch yesterday. It was mainly – I don't think any of the Saguaros all-star, fall stars did play yesterday. I know Cole Tucker was in the lineup. Vlad Jr. wasn't out there. Um, yeah, I think – did Mike Valoria start yesterday? He might have. But pretty much it was more of a rest day. It was, you know, prepare the guys for the fall stars game. But in reality, um, the first half wrapped up yesterday, and it's going to take a miracle – uh, we ha- pretty much have to go 9-0 down the stretch, and the Javelinas can not win more than – they can't even win three games. So they'd have to go 2-7. and seven, We'd have to go 9-0. and it- It's going to be tough, and that would force a game 31 at that point, but it will be tough. Let's get into our player awards. Player of the week is to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., 188 average, 3 for 16, and 3 RBIs. It wasn't that great of a week for Vlad Jr., but here's the thing. Our offense really wasn't clicking this week, and he was second on the team in RBIs. And I really thought he got—he made a lot of hard contact, a lot of solid at bats. Um, and he will be in the Fall Stars game tonight, representing the Blue Jays and the Surprise Saguaros. So that'll be interesting to watch, Vlad Jr., because none of these games have been televised in the Arizona Fall League. So I am very excited, you know, especially to watch Cole Tucker and Blake Wyman. We'll get into them in a little bit, but very, very exciting. Um, Player Vlad Jr. and I mean he he's going to be so legit. I'm I I'm very excited because there's real baseball in him. Like, you know we haven't been able to watch any baseball since uh was it Game Five of the World Series. So make sure MLB Network 8 p.m. tonight. Pirates player of the week goes to Will Craig, a 2.73 average, 3.411, a home run of three RBIs. The Pirates player of the week for um was it two weeks in the season, three weeks now, uh has been Cole Tucker. But Will Craig got it this week. I mean, he hit a home run in for the team. The team only has ten home runs, and Will Craig has uh, three of them. He uh, he's an interesting case. He was a first round pick by the Pittsburgh Pirates, but Josh Bell seemingly has that first base spot locked down. If Josh Bell is a rough season this year, it wouldn't be that that Will Craig could be the starting first baseman in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, depending on how Josh Bell does. If Josh Bell gets back to his uh, power hitting form, he's the first baseman. Then we can look to maybe move Will Craig or see what goes on with him. But overall, a great week from the power hitting first baseman, Will Craig. Our pitch of the week goes to Demarcus Evans of the Texas Rangers organization. Two innings pitched in two games played, three hits, two runs, two earned, three strikeouts, a 9.00 ERA, and a 1.50 whip. The weird thing about DeMarcus Evans, I've figured this out. He is so unbelievably unlucky. He is a false star for the Rangers and the surprise Saguaros, but his ERA, I believe, for the season is 6.4-something because on Bucks dugout, I gave him my first half Cy Young. I mean, he's been fantastic overall, but the, the, the peripherals, you know, the ERA is trash. But you dive deeper, and he's had a very fine fall league um, – and he will be pitching in the Fall Stars game tonight. So uh, good luck to Demarcus Evans this evening. Um, again, I'm not. I believe he was drafted in 2015, if I'm if I'm correct. So maybe he could be a Ranger next season. I mean, they are going through a re- <clears throat> a rebuild down there. Hiring was it Woodruff as their manager? Hold on. Chris Woodward will be the new manager of the Rangers. So we'll see what Woodward wants to do with Demarcus Evans in 2019. Pirates pitch for the week goes to Blake Wyman in two innings pitched, one game, no hits, no 
no runs at all, one walk, one strikeout, a zero ERA, and a 1.50 whip. Blake Wyman will be the Pirates' representative at, for the pitchers at the Fall Star game tonight, and he's been fantastic over the first half of the season, a 0.90 ERA. And here's the thing I actually didn't know. He was drafted in 2017. Made his way up three levels in the minor leagues last year, and he's, he's rising quickly. I believe he was an eighth-round pick. Well, Blake Wyman has been fantastic. Uh, Pirates fans, remember the name, Blake Wyman. I'm not sure if he'll be a 2019 Angel member or 2020 and beyond, but be sure to watch him tonight uh, during the Fall-Star game. Glove of the week, overall two, just because he's that good, is Cole Tucker, 21 total chances, 13 assists, eight putouts, two double plays, and no errors. Um, this is the first week he didn't win player of the week, but overall, Cole Tucker has had a fantastic Arizona Fall League. But he's batting, what, like 353 or something? He was uh, the, my Pirates' first half MVP, Pirates' October MVP. Um, again, he's been fantastic. He is second to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and players on this team, and Vlad is a stud. Cole Tucker could be that next elite shortstop prospect. He's number five on the Pirates' prospects list right now. But with a good Fall Stars game tonight, that that jump could be made even more because this is an elite prospects league. If he can have an elite game with the elite of the elite, uh, I'm sure he'll be jumping on ball boards. But so excited to watch Cole Tucker and Blake Wyman tonight. And uh, hopefully the Saguars can pull off that miracle run. 9-0, and they need to go. The Javelins need to go 2-7 and uh, or 1-8 and for them to make the Arizona Fall League Championship game. All right, so now to what I want to talk about most. Free agency is starting soon, and there's an under-the-radar move the Pirates can make to position themselves better in the 2020 season. Last offseason, the Pittsburgh Pirates signed zero Major League free agents to a contract. With the way the team is currently structured, it would appear that the only free agents the Pirates would target would be marginal fits in the bullpen or perhaps a bench bat. But gloss over 2019, where the team will look to build upon winning 82 games. Though a bit of luck from Trevor Williams in the latter half of the season helped in doing so, that's a player who has value, likely as a back-end guy, but one who can be upgraded. But with the roster constructed and top pitching prospect Mitch Keller in Indianapolis waiting his turn, Williams isn't the most expendable pitcher right now. That'd be Yvonne Nova. Nova has only a year left on his deal, and he's been a more capable back-end innings-eater type starter, but it's only one year. The only real depth comes in the form of Nick Kingham, who has no options, and Mitch Keller. He's expendable in terms of being the most likely to be upgraded upon, but not really expendable given the depth. So keeping him for another go-around makes sense. Assuming Keller gets a full season in Indianapolis, a league in which he tossed 52 uh, in the third innings to a tune of a 4.82 ERA this past season. That puts his timeline as 2020 and sliding into that vacancy that Nova will be leaving. Chad Cool will also be returning from Tommy John surgery, but he has the look, stuff, and control of a multi-inning relief threat compared to a starter. Even if Cool remains a starter, that leaves a toss-up between Cool, Keller, and Williams for two spots behind Archer, Tyone, and Musgrove. The level of upside here are different, and Williams has posted seasons of 97.7 and 95.7 DRA in 2017 and 2018. 
He's been, at the worst, an average starter, and that's valuable. The Pirates, however, can do better in terms of upside for likely minimal risk that would represent a huge upgrade to the rotation. And if that arm is of any concern, a relief option. Garrett Richards, formerly of the Los Angeles Angels, has a career 3.54 ERA and has struck out 23% of hitters over his last 86 starts and 514 and two-thirds innings. He features a power fastball and a power slider. And when healthy, Richards has shown to be an effective pitcher, and that's the catch. Since 2016, Richards has only thrown 138 and two-thirds innings at the major league level, and he won't pitch again until his age 32 season in 2020 after undergoing Tommy John in July. Richards missed Horny UCL but didn't get Tommy John and opted for a different recovery method and then missed most of 2017. It's the upside that brings that that he brings that could be worth it for the Pirates. I said last July that the Pirates should sign Michael Pineda after it was announced he needed Tommy John because of the upside he could bring for 2019. The Minnesota Twins signed Pineda five days after they hired Josh Kalk last season from the Rays front office. Kalk was with the Rays when the club did this move with Nathan Avaldi. The Chicago Cubs did something similar with Drew Smiley as well, as this looks to be the next trend in a copycat league. The Pirates would be wise to get in on Richards, given his stuff, and he shouldn't cost much in terms of dollars either. While the potential is there, the injury history should be a concern for multiple teams. Pineda got two years worth $10 million, and Richards has been hurt more than Pineda. The upside doesn't have to just play as a starter, and a move to the bullpen would still allow his stuff to play. Kyle Crick, Keone Kella, and Felipe Vasquez will still be under contract, though Kella and Vasquez seem like safer bets to be holding down a back-end bullpen spot in two years than Crick. That would allow Richards and perhaps Cool to be multi-threats with power stuff. The potential that Richards has, be it as a starter or reliever, with little risk in terms of ca- uh, capital, is why the club should take the flyer. The club paid Sean Rodriguez $5.75 million this past season, and Richards presents more upside than Rodriguez did. Just as a note, my numbers are from Baseball Prospectus. All right, I want to examine something here going into the offseason. I want to examine the Pittsburgh Pirates' 40-man roster as the offseason is beginning. Okay, so pretty rudimentary experiment and examination uh, that I want to do. So 40-man roster turnover is commonplace during the MLB offseason. As the 2018-19 MLB offseason prepares to rev up, the Pittsburgh Pirates currently have 37 players on the 40-man roster. This gives the team some flexibility as the offseason begins. When looking at the 40-man roster, the team will face some decisions in the offseason. Furthermore, there are some uh, DFA candidates if they need to create room on the roster. So let's dive into examining the Pirates' 40-man roster as the offseason begins. Foremost, we will begin with two players that are out of minor league options. These players are catcher Jacob Stallings and pitcher Nick Kingham. The Pirates cannot option either of these players to the minor leagues to begin the 2019 season without them clearing waivers. This means the team would have to risk losing them on waivers in order to get them to the minors. 
The safe bet may be on the team uh, carrying three catchers to begin the 2019 season. On top of Stones being out of options, this frees Clint Hurdle up to use backup catcher Elias Diaz, who is one of the team's best hitters in 2018, as a pinch hitter more easily. Additionally, it can allow Hurdle to get Francisco Cervelli some starts at first base to give him more off days from behind the plate. As for Kingham, we will have more on him and what the team can do with him uh, next week. Make sure to check back then for more on the right-handed pitcher. As for those easy DFA candidates, it starts with reliever Tanner Anderson. Anderson was up and down with the Pirates in 2018 and was awful out of the bullpen. Pitchers Alex McRae and Jesus Lorenzo, who has claimed off waivers from the Dodgers in April, as well as infielder Max Moroff, are DFA candidates as well. However, with the team have three open spots on the 40-man roster, they may not need to clear any roster space this offseason. There's also the matter of the 60-day disabled list. Pitchers Chad Cool and Edgar Santana will both miss the entire 2019 season due to Tommy John surgery. Due to this, both will spend the season on the 60-day DL and not count against the 40-man roster. However, they cannot be placed on the 60-day DL until the regular season begins on March 28th. So I want to examine some of the DFA candidates, right? I personally think the team should carry three catchers with Jacob Stallings, Elias Diaz, and Francisco Cervelli. Cervelli should be the starter behind the plate. He had a fantastic bounce-back 2018 season and deserves to be the starting catcher in 2019. Elias Diaz then will be the backup. Usually what happens uh, with baseball, you know, the backup catcher is the last man off the bench. Elias Diaz, however, was one of the Pirates' best hitters in 2018. And we don't want him to be one of the last players off the bench. So what do you do? You carry Jacob Stallings. Pirates pitchers have seemed to love Jacob Stallings. They loved him in September. He prepares more than any other catcher I've ever seen prepare. He's big, and he does have a decent bat. Pretty typical backup catcher or third catcher. And I don't want to lose him on waivers. So that's why I think we could realistically carry three catchers that will allow Clint Hurdle to aggressively use Elias Diaz. And, you know, Francisco Cervelli can play first base. He's played a little bit of third base. So he has versatility. Elias Diaz is a straight catcher as well as Jacob Stallings. You know, it, it would be a wise move for the organization to do. and it would make sense just overall, right? If you can use one of your best hitters off the bench first, use that. Or if you need a big hit or a big home run, use your power hitting Elias Diaz. It makes sense completely to keep Jacob Stallings. Pittsburgh may not, may not like his father, but I sure do like his son, Jacob Next, uh, let's see. So, yeah, carry the three catchers. That is what the Pittsburgh Pirates should do in 2019 on the opening day roster, at least to start the season. That would be uh, the best possible scenario, I believe, uh, for the team and really what they're trying to do because, you know, we need those big hits at certain parts of the game. And speaking of which, the Pittsburgh Pirates have a new hitting coach. After the Pittsburgh Pirates struggled offensively in both 2017 and 2018, it was obvious the team needed a change in coaching, especially following the 2018 season, in which a poor offseason squandered a postseason quali- 
quality pitching staff and caused the Pirates a postseason burst. This led to hitting coach Jeff Branson and assistant hitting coach Jeff Livesey being fired on October 1st. On Friday, the Bucks hired their new hitting coach a month and a day after dismissing Branson and Livesey. The team announced the hiring of new hitting coach Rick Eckstein. The 45-year-old Eckstein spent the past two seasons as a Minnesota Twins minor league hitting coordinator, came after spending the previous two seasons as the hitting coach at the University of Kentucky. Eckstein has also worked as a scout of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and served as the Washington Nationals hitting coach for five seasons from 2009 to 2013. When Eckstein was fired by the Nationals following the 2013 season, it caught then Nats manager Davey Johnson off guard. In fact, Johnson asked Washington GM Mike Rizzo to relieve him of his duties instead of Eckstein. Johnson called the decision shocking and said it was one of the most difficult days of his baseball career. This reaction by Johnson speaks volumes about the coach and baseball mind that Eckstein is. Johnson is one of the most successful and respected managers in MLB history. So having his stamp of, of approval says a lot. Eckstein brings a player-centered approach to coaching. He believes in allowing hitters to use their natural talents to dictate their approach at the plate. From there, Eckstein helps them work to perfect this approach. Due to this, Eckstein is not a believer in a team having a set hitting style or philosophy. Furthermore, Eckstein is a pro-analytics coach. He uses the numbers to analyze hitting to help his players improve. However, he is not concerned with bogging his players' minds down with these numbers. All this is covered, um, and all this sounds like a great breath of fresh air from Branson and Livesey. Eckstein is the older brother of former MLB shortstop and 2006 World Series MVP David Eckstein. It will be worthwhile watching if elder Eckstein looks to attempt it at his younger brother, who is a well-respected player during his career, to the Pirates coaching staff. I am so excited to have uh, Rick Eckstein as the Pirates hitting coach in 2019. As we said, Davey Johnson gave him such high praise, and that's what really excites me. Right. David Johnson is one of the best managers in baseball history, one of the most respected managers in baseball history. And when Rick Eckstein was fired in 2013 from the Washington Nationals, David Johnson was like, man, what are you doing, Mike Rizzo? Fire me instead. Rather, that did not happen, and Rick Eckstein was fired. David Johnson said it was an absolutely shocking move and one of the hardest days in his baseball career because he knew was. Jeff Branson and Livesey were terrible the past two years. They cost a postseason quality pitching staff a postseason berth. We were one win a month away from making the postseason in 2018, and Branson and Livesey, I believe, can contribute to one win a month. Eckstein, however, pro player, pro analytics. He says, do you, but we're going to have an approach. We're going to have your approach, and we're going to perfect that approach, and we're going to use analytics to back it up. That's Eckstein's mentality. You see, Eckstein is going to bring a breath of fresh air to the organization. There's not going to be one set philosophy, one set cookie cutter swing. You do you, but we're going to perfect you. We're not going to put you in a mold. We're not going to say you have to do this. But we are going to say, hey, there are certain things that you're going to have to do, and there are certain things that 
are going to perfect you. So it allows for individual individuality, but it allows Eckstein to perfect that individuality. You know, Eckstein was Bryce Harper's hitting coach when he came up. And we see where Bryce Harper is. He's going to get a huge contract this offseason. Bringing that guy into Pittsburgh is exciting. And it, it puzzles me why he wasn't hired as a hitting coach before, like in 2014, 15, 16, or 17. He was at the University of Kentucky. He was in the Twins minor league system. He was a scout for the Angels. And the one thing that I'm really interested in, actually, with the whole Eckstein hiring is about his brother, Dave Eckstein, 2006 World Series MVP. Will he, will he be on the Pirates uh, coaching staff, David Eckstein? That would be interesting. I mean, to bring him, uh, it would the brother combo as the hitting coaches, much better than the Jets we had the last two seasons who literally cost us a postseason berth and a potential World Series championship. Uh, that's what frustrates me the most. Branson and Lizzie cost us maybe a World Series. I believe they did cost us a World Series because I know if the Pirates made the playoffs in 2018 with that pitching staff in the weak National League, we would have ran through it. We would have done it. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that reason to be optimistic for 2019 is Rick Eckstein. The pitching staff is postseason quality. It's playoff quality. It is World Series quality. The hitting was not, but Rick Eckstein brings to the table what we need. The pitching is there. The offense needs to come. And we've talked about this a lot. we talked about the power outage year after year since we made the playoffs. Something needed to change. And Neil Huntington made a smart change. Firing Branson, firing Lizzie, bringing in Eckstein. Now the next step in the process is Rick finding his assistant hitting coach. And I'll be thrilled if it is David Eckstein. Absolutely thrilled. Bring World Series experience to the table. World Series MVP experience. It's going to be exciting. Okay, we... To the point where we can be there. Be where we want to be. Be back to the 2015-level team. 82 wins, and we just have to get one win more a month. One win a month. One more win in April, May, June, July, August, and September. And we're there, baby. We are in the playoffs with no opportunity to win a World Series championship. We are so close, and people still don't realize that. One win away per month. And people still don't come out to PNC Park. People still don't support this Pirates team. And it is frustrating. Support your Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay, we got the hitting coach now. The pitching is there. We are going to be good. Very good in 2019. It's a tough division in the NL Central, no doubt. But watch out for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're going to they're gonna be scary. They're... they're they're going to bring hell to the National League next year and the Monstars in that pitching staff. Oof. It's going to be... It's going to be for real. We have about 90 seconds left in the show this afternoon. Um, so, yeah, just to recap a little bit, uh, the Saguaros need that miraculous run. 
Peoria needs to go two and seven or one and eight for us to make the playoffs. The Fall Stars game is tonight, eight p.m. Eastern on MLB Network. For 2020, the Pirates need to sign Garrett Richards uh, for the rotation. It will only bolster it. It will only help. It's low risk, high reward. In terms of DF, in terms of the 40-man roster, keep Jacob Stallings, the three-way catcher tandem, and there are plenty of DFA candidates such as Tanner uh, Anderson, Alex McRae, Jesus Lorenzo, and Max Moroff. Lastly, the Pirates had Rick Eckstein yesterday, and he is searching for his assistant hitting coach, and I'd love to see David Eckstein be brought on to the staff. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to Bucko Booth today. And, hey, I completely forgot to talk about this. The Baseball Podcast Network. If you're listening from there, coming in, we'd love to have new people on the show. And the revolution is coming. January 1st, 2019. Get ready. But, hey, Bucko Booth will be on the network every Saturday until then. What do we have, like? Tenders. All right, I got 10 seconds. So I will see you all next week, Saturday at this time. Maybe not. I'll, I'll let you know, though. Uh, until then, have a fantastic week, everybody. Stay warm. Stay safe. As always, let's go Bucks and let's go Saguaros in the West in the AFL All-Star game this evening.